Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. up y'all we are up in here for another episode of the believe in kentucky podcast alongside the 96 champ uk legend uk athletics hall of famer tony td Depp. this is Vinny hardy how we doing this week td brother i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna try to enjoy my fourth of july weekend and hopefully i can get on this grill cook up something really good for the uh for the family and uh, I think we're having a function in our neighborhood. So we'll see how much social distancing is taking place over these next couple of days. Man, and hoping it's not a spike in them numbers, but uh, a lot of people going <laughs> to be hanging out. A lot of people going to be hanging out over the weekend. And uh, uh, how's the grill game? Which, what you, you the grill might, game is cool, man. Pork, how you I, I've gotten a lot of practice. I've gotten a lot of practice on the grill, man. I, I remember when I first started, I had too many charcoals, and I had one of the small red grills, the first one you probably buy, like a Walmart or Target. And I had, man, probably like a half a bag of charcoal. So <laughs> everything was everything was blazing. I'm like, man, why is, why is this meat cooking so fast? But uh, after some trial and error, I think I've kind of mastered it a little bit. I went out and I actually have uh, have two grills at home now. So just in case I have a, a a lot of people coming through, you know, I'll, I'll get on both grills and I'll have my music playing, go some old school, some uh, Frankie Beverly Mays, some OJs, Earth, Wind and Fire, fired up. And uh, man, you know what? I kind of know what I'm doing now. So I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but you know, I've got a lot of practice at it. What about yourself? How are you on that grill? Um, I'm so-so. I need to do it a little bit more. Uh, my dad did it a ton growing up. Uh, I did some burgers and some little pork chops the other day. But I'll, I'll go in there and cook a little something before I'll get on the grill. You know, I'm, I'm making a nice little meatloaf, a nice little taco okay. salad, nice little spaghetti, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, That's uh, what's popping. Fry some chicken every now and then. I, I'm good. I'm better at that. I need to go out and just hit the grill a little bit more and, and tighten that back up. Well, I think when the pandemic started, you know, I was already doing my grill anyways. But uh, during the pandemic, man, we probably – I was on the grill maybe two or three times a week, man. So my lady, uh, she wasn't cooking. And I told him, like, you know, let, let me just get my get my grill work back going again. So I probably, for about, uh, I will say between a four or six-week period, I probably hit the grill about 30 times. And I was on it, like, every – if it wasn't every every other day, every two or three days, I was on that thing, man, making it pop. So it was um, – I really enjoy cooking on it because, like I said, it's another healthy way of, of eating. It's, uh, you know, not fried food, which I grew up eating quite a bit with my mom. You know, we uh, only thing we did was fried everything, fried chicken, fried uh, fried pork chops. Everything was fried. But now that I've gotten older, I'm trying to, trying to eat a little bit cleaner, a little bit healthier. But uh, just being on the grill, man, I felt at home. Absolutely. We rolling, getting some food conversation in. We hit a little music. That'll be more to come, too, but we got similar tastes. We got that old school soul going. Absolutely. This episode and every episode, y'all, go to Believe.com. You can go right to the site and check it out on Believe in Kentucky or wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. 
We'll be right there. If you want to advertise your business or product on the site, go to believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. Let them know what your plan is. They'll get in contact with me and Tony, and we'll we'll talk it up right here on the show. Uh, look, still same situation. Not a lot of sports going on. Not a lot of UK stuff going on. Are we going to get sports? Are we not? Is the second wave coming? Or is season going to start? It's, it's just still wait and see, touch and go right now, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're still trying to find out, man, what's going to happen. I know uh, MLB is trying to come up with a decision. Uh, NFL, the same thing about their preseason. NBA, uh, you know, everybody's in this bubble, and they're going to be there for a couple weeks before the, uh, before the season actually gets started. And it seems like they said about maybe 7% of the guys have tested positive. And uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little alarming, but not too alarming from the standpoint of, you know, some of these guys have probably been out and have been doing some things that, um, you know, outside of basketball. So I think when you put them in that bubble, you quarantine them for about 14 days. And if everybody follows the guidelines, kind of like what, we, what we're telling our people here in Georgia, you know, it's, it's not mandated that you wear your mask, but to take the risk factor out of it, and to protect those who might have a uh, higher risk, you, uh, you know, you definitely want to do whatever it takes to make sure those people are uh, not in harm's way. So I'm doing a, a much better job of it. Not to say I wasn't following my guidelines, you know, before, but I was at home. So there wasn't no guidelines at home. I was like at my house, not going anywhere. Every time I went to the grocery store, I had my mask on. Mm-hmm. I was out of bank, wherever I went. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of loosened up a little bit when, uh, more and more people started protesting. And then we started seeing people protesting. Then beaches open up. Uh, Florida is, is turned into a third world country. They wasn't really concerned about anybody's health, it seems like. And uh, we didn't want to fall. We didn't want to fall right behind what Florida was doing here in Georgia, although we did open up a lot sooner than most states. Uh, you know, it's still still have to protect yourself, if, you know, when it's all said and done. You know, although people might not be doing their part, is my job is to protect me and my family, my friends, especially, uh, you know, if I have high-risk people that I'm uh, going to come in contact with. So mm-hmm. we just got to make sure, man, as these sports start back up, probably won't see as many fans. We'll be excited to have something on TV outside of probably watching Netflix, which <laughs> I think I'm just finishing up one, um, my last episode last night of Black Lightning. It took me probably – about a month. Normally, I get I get past these episodes really fast. I'm just watching and watching. But once our gym opened back up here, where I have my Tony Duck Basketball Academy, is I started getting more kids coming through, and we started practicing a little bit more. So we we're um, following the guidelines. We're taking this weekend off for the fourth. Um, so I wanted my kids to go spend time with their family, enjoy a few days away. But you know, once we come back sometime next week. I'm just going to kind of see how the numbers are because I know a couple states that had AAU events that were taking place, they've kind of closed down. So I thought what Georgia should have done, you know, as they started opening up the states and uh, basketball uh, gyms started opening, is that it should have only been the teams in Georgia competing against each other. So I thought it would have been best if there were no other states coming here. So either, even though we have in our AAU events and tournaments, it should only been the teams from your state. So when you start bringing in teams from Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, now to me, you're, you're almost inviting the virus to come to your state. And I thought the AAU program and director should have been in control of that and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. 
although we're going to have a, a, an AAU season, let's make sure we just keep our local teams from our state here. So now we're not bringing in other states, not knowing where they're playing. Because if you're playing in the tournament here in Georgia, you might go play in one in Alabama. You might go play one in Tennessee, then Kentucky. So you've gone to four different states. And I don't like that. So even with my team, as I opened up my, um, you know, my academy, was I had no aspiration of going nowhere other than staying here in Georgia. Like, I was not going to Florida. I was not going to Tennessee. I told my parents, if we do have this season, we're going to play all our games here in Georgia. So, and, I, and I'm going to stick by that. Yeah, that's oh, and also, I can't let the people uh, forget, we're giving 15% of profits of my wine sale, the Lorenzo's. Uh, you can go to Wildside Winery and look that up. So 15% of profits is a great time over the holidays to go out and buy some wine. Lorenzo's, I have a Riesling, I have a Chardonnay, I have a Cabernet. 15% of my profit will be going to KCH, Kentucky Children's Hospital, during this pandemic and during this time, our doctors and nurses have been working tirelessly um, at the hospital to make sure we're in the best health that we can possibly be. So I'm going to give back 15% of my proceeds, my not my proceeds, my profit back to KCA. So let's make sure we get on board, go out and buy a couple bottles, buy, buy a case, buy a couple cases, whatever you think is, is best. Uh -huh. We're giving that money back to KCH Hospital. So make sure yeah. Kentucky Children's Hospital will be benefiting from my wine sales and my profits. Absolutely. Great wine for a great cause. It's all circling back, helping everybody out at the same time. We talked about the wine before we talk about every episode. Uh, talked about the book. You're an author as well. One thing I hadn't asked you about was the Tony Delk IMAC Regeneration Center. How did that huh. come to be? Because we hadn't mentioned that, hadn't said a word about yeah, that. Yeah, no, man. Bad, man. Tell us about that, too. Hey, that, that, that's my bad, man. I, I should have been giving my people in, uh, in Lexington a lot more credit for what they're doing. So IMAC Regeneration Center, uh, we opened it, I think it's like two years in now, and um, right off Nicholasville Road. But we we've been... We've done a really good job of just, you know, for myself, understanding how the stem cell work, how the platelet-rich plasma work, uh, spinal decompression, how it works, and really just trying to rejuvenate your own body with your own, with your own fluids. And what I, what I found out that was really interesting was that, you know, during my playing career, you know, a lot of guys started using pain, pain medicine and, uh, you know, you don't want to get addicted to any, anything, any pain meds. And... Uh, this would have been something that would have been a game changer for all athletes, especially with us trying to recover and get back fast, faster. And I got an injection, I think two years ago, I got my Achilles injected and I was having a lot of problems, especially at the end, towards the end of my career, you know, and I was like, man, you know, what do I have to do in order to try to get myself back, back on the court a little bit sooner. And, you know, of course, you know, the first thing you want to do is if there's something that can alleviate that pain, you want to take that, especially as an athlete, you want to get back and perform. So this really helps those, those people who might be having ankle, back, neck injury, is helps you recover a lot faster. So that's the one thing I found that was really interesting as, uh, you know, Dr. Matt Wallace, you know, he's the founder of the, of the IMAC generation we have. The Ozzie Smith, which is in St. Louis, David Price, that's in uh, Nashville, and then of course Tony Delks in Lexington, Kentucky, and then the headquarters or where where it was started at was Paducah, Kentucky. So when I met with Dr. Matt Wallace, I was trying to figure out, you know, how was this gonna help me? 
you know, as I age and understand the, the dynamics of how uh, stem cell work and just went in and met with him, man. And we just sat down and started talking and um, went and visited a couple of his facilities. And I just really liked how the people, how nice they were, how, how the cleanliness of the building. And then it was, to me, it was a one-stop shop, you know, so you get your, get your treatment, you get your rehab, everything is done on the one roof. So I remember as I was coming along, I was thinking like, man, you know, you have to go and do rehab somewhere totally different than you had your surgery. And I was like, man, this is something that really gonna, a lot of people can benefit from how, how it works where every, everything is done on the one roof. So Dr. Matt Wallace and all the IMAC and Generation Center that are opening up. And then we went, went public about a year and a half ago. So got some stock in it too, you know, so I'm, I'm learning, learning more and more about it. We're going to have a Facebook live uh, this upcoming week uh, with some of the, some of the patients and they're going to tell their testimony about how uh, the IMAC Generation Center really helped them out. Awesome, man. So now we, I got to get all the bases covered. So we got the iMac in there now. We've been talking about the wine and the book and the basketball academy now. I got the iMac regeneration in there covering all the Tony Depp bases that you got your fingerprints on, man. So had to work that one in this episode for sure. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Man, I'm going to light it up just a little bit. I've been – we still new on these Believe Podcast streets. You know, got a few episodes under our belt. But I was just looking at some of the other shows in the network, the basketball shows in the network. I'm going to throw a hypothetical out there at you. First of all, let me just let you know, I'm 5'8", built like a running back. <laughs> Streaky jumper, not pure like yours. Rebound decent for my size. But these other episodes, this Believe in Business podcast, Maurice Evans hosts that. The Believe in Wizards um, Matt Moderno and Larry Hughes host that one. Okay. Um, for the Lakers, we got Kareem Rush on that one. There's a Believe in Center Court podcast that has Ralph Sampson on that one. Um, and the Believe in Warriors podcast is Rick Barry is on that one. So both our legs are fresher than his. He's a Hall of Famer, but he's also like pushing 80. If we'll we take had, him. If we Most had a Believe if we if we had to believe two on two, I mean I'm not I'm not that tall, but how are we holding up? You play with a lot of these guys. Hey, hey, hey man, hey, we're gonna be good. Only thing I need you to do this 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 is what I would tell my friends. You know, I said, listen, set screens and rebound. Okay, hey, I can do it. I'll take the shots. <laughs> I can do it. Man. Hey, I, I I would take the shots, man. Just just know your role. Your role is to set screens, rebound, and if you get rebounds past me, let me do the shooting. Okay, okay. I, I trust my shot. Cause you already said you're streaky. You're more of a football player, and I always, I always, I always enjoy playing with football players because I knew they set solid screens and they foul hard. Yeah, they can do that, man. It's like I said, not a lot of <laughs> height. I'm kind of stocky. You know, you think we, like, we don't need to? We'll, hey, hey, man, it's, it's listen. It's not about that height, man. It's it's about shooting that three ball, being able to make it consistently, getting us some extra opportunities. And send hard screens to some of them old dudes that ain't ready for no screen that you're gonna set. I know, I know you set that screen, man. You know, it's, it's gonna be like hitting a brick wall. So yeah. as soon as they hit the screen, I'm gonna run them off you and they're gonna crumble. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. So I like our chances, man. If we had a hypothetical <clears throat> believe two on two, we'd be a problem. That's all that's all we, we got. We would be. Yes, we would be. You already know. <laughs> um man, look, we talked a little bit last week. It was the anniversary of the day you got drafted. Uh, 
with Tuan and Walter. The 96 season, because you talked about your tough freshman year, uh, I've heard you talk on different radio shows about how 95, y'all thought, you know, right there should have won it that year. Yeah, man. Mm. What was it like for 96? Was, was what was the noise like? Because the expectations at UK are always on 10. Was yeah. the noise for that 96 team, was there a lot of pressure? Was there a lot of – that you guys – Nah. Or not? I, I, I don't think season. so. I think it was – I think it was more personal, man, because like I said, I felt at 95, you know, the teams that made it to the Final Four, um, I think it was Arkansas, um, I want to say UCLA, who we who we got – he we got holes out in, in California on that game. You know, we ended up losing that game by one point. One of, the, one of the few games, if I can recall, that I fouled out of. You know, so they, they got me out of the game early. We still were in the game and still had a chance at the end of the game. It was such a bad call on Walter McCarty. Never forget, um, you know, I think it was Henderson went up for went up for a shot. Walter blocked his shot and fouled him. He went to the line, made two foul shots. They ended up winning the game by one point. And we'd, we'd beaten Arkansas. We'd beaten them in the SEC tournament championship game. And we just had a bad game, man, against North Carolina. I mean, you know, they had a good team with Rasheed and Stackhouse and Jeff McGinnis, but I still thought we got off to a really good start. Walter McCarty was hot. Uh, Andre Riddick and I want to say Rasheed Wallace got into an altercation, and Walter ended up getting his – they gave him a technical foul, which gave him his second foul. So he didn't play anymore the first half, and then they made a run. And we were just trailing the whole game. But we really we returned everyone. We returned everyone. Roger Groves was coming back. So, you know, everybody was going to be a year older. Uh, we was going to be even more driven. And we added, you know, to, to that mix was definitely, you know, two, two really good players with D.A., Derek Anderson, and Ron Mercer. So we just got, you know, we just really reloaded. And uh, when that season started, you know, being ranked number one, you know, it, it, it was pressure, but it wasn't pressure. We knew how good we were going to be. And after winning the first game against Maryland, we knew that second game against UMass was going to be a tough game because UMass had also, you know, they went to the lead eight. They returned all their players. And we played that game. It was a great eight that was played in Detroit. They ended up winning by 10 points. We made a lineup change and went on that crazy 27-game winning streak and ended up losing it in the SEC championship game against Mississippi State. And uh, we just refocused won the next six games, but we, we knew we had a special team. Are you – you hear this all the time when the team is on a roll like that 20-plus game winning streak, losing the conference tournament, is it a good loss? Is it not? You hear some people say that. Where you come out on that? You know what, really, it was, it was a good loss. I mean, Mississippi State, who we had beaten early in the year by 20 points, I mean, that had something to prove. You know, we had just – Blasted them at, at you know in Starkville, so you know we, so deservedly enough they wanted to play us in the championship game, you know, right. and um, so they 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 made they made the made a wrong or right, and it happens, you know. We just had a didn't have we didn't play our best game. They end up winning, and uh, but we knew but we knew what we had in front of us. We knew we just had to win six more games, and mm-hmm. the good thing about you know when teams win championships, and I always tell I always talk about this is. Have they put a consecutive win streak together during the course of that season? Because you know, you in order to win the championship, you got to win six games. Mm-hmm. And some teams that come in having won a conference title with you know three wins, and then you know you had to win a few more games. But so I knew we could win six games. We had already won twenty-seven. 
So it wasn't like we win three, uh, lose two, win five, lose, you know, two or one, one or two games. But when you've won that many games in a row is that you know, okay, dude, we just got to, we got to play six. We got to win six games. It's going to be against six teams that we probably never face. But although they haven't faced us either, you know, they haven't faced the kind of pressure and the kind of players and the athletes that we had. So we was ready for, we, man, we was ready for it. It, it didn't matter who we faced in 96. You know, we was ready to put some work in. When you advance on Saturday to get to that championship on Monday, and you know that Jim Beheim and Syracuse have been playing zone for years, could you just – were you just licking your chops? <laughs> no, you know, it, it, it's funny you said it, but we – during that time, we had played them uh, – that would have been my third year playing Syracuse. We played them as – we played them my sophomore year. Uh, we played them my junior year, and uh, we played them, of course, my senior season. So we played them at the Carrier Dome uh, in 1994, 95. They came to Rough Arena, and then, of course, we played them in 96. So very familiar with their zone. They usually have six, eight, six, nine long wings that have always been, you know, in that zone that makes it make it a little bit more difficult. It's not it's not your tradi- traditional zone that have like six, seven, you know, six, one, six, two guys. They will always have length and athleticism out there trying to, you know, close out on shooters. And although, you know, you have openings in that zone, you still got to make shots. And I got hot the first half. I was, I was disappointed that I did finish with more threes. After having six the first half, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm about to hit double digits with these threes, and I finished with seven threes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that four-point play, though, that's, that's still – and yeah, man, that that, res- that resonated. That, that was that was huge for us, man. Just getting that because you know Syracuse was on the run at that time, and I thought you know with our style of play, as I went back and watched the game, we had our 20th year reunion down in Miami. It was kind of like of um, of our 34 wins. I would probably say it was like the second, first or second, like worst game we played. Man, it wasn't a great game. I mean, I missed I missed a few layups. Uh, couple bad turnovers, some chippers that we normally would make and miss. And I don't know if that was from pressure, but it wasn't a great uh, offensive game by us, you know, by no means necessary how we played throughout, how we played throughout this season. You know, it definitely wasn't, wasn't one of our better games. Not that, not that typical rhythm and flow that y'all had for most of the year. Right? From that no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was a tough, it was a tough game. I mean, they played a, a really tight zone. We made some shots early, which gave us a little cushion. Yeah. And then one of my good friends, John Wallace, uh, <laughs> J-Dub played well, man. J-Dub was a tough dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I said, we still talking about – still no new sports to talk about. It's not like me and you can get on here and talk about a game we watched last night because it's right. not, not happening yet. So I'm going to backtrack to – what happened just before we started doing this podcast and that's the last dance. Now we lived through it. You're coming into the league as the bulls are starting that second three piece. So what, yes. what was your perception of Jordan and those bulls? Were you a MJ guy as a kid growing up in Brownsville? Was he your favorite player or what, what was your whole thoughts on it? Oh, of course he's my favorite player, man. I mean, just, you know, just when those, those air Jordan ones came out, which I have about 15 pair now, <laughs> Man, I, I was a huge Jordan fan, you know. So from time I got to college, actually going back, to, dating back to high school, is two of my friends. One of my friends was a Detroit Pistons fan. Other friend was a Laker fan. So 
at that time, I want to say Magic had maybe his five. He had his five championships, and Isaiah had two. So, you know, I was like, man, my dude don't have a championship. They, so they were just talking. They were just going on and on about, man, your dude ain't going to never win a championship. remember mm-hmm. going to college and coming back home uh, after my – probably my junior year. And by that time, I think Matt, Michael had won three. You know, I'm like, man, my dude. So the Detroit Pistol fan, I'm like, man, we already got more than you right now. I'm not – that conversation was over. I'm like, dude, Mike got more than, than, than your uh, Detroit Piston team. And so now I was like, how is he going to catch Magic? Because, you know, championships are hard to come by. And when I went into the league, you know, like you said, he was on his three-peat. And I was like, man, this dude probably going to – he got a chance to win, though, maybe five or six, maybe top Magic. But to get six, to go 6-0 in the, in, in the finals, man, and for me playing in my first year and just seeing how great of a player he was, but just, you know, they were a well-oiled machine, you know, from, from Phil Jackson to Dennis Rodman, uh, Scottie Pippen. Uh, man, you know, everybody knew their role, but they were a team that was on a mission. And when I mean a mission, like, we, we were a really good team. We was the sixth seed that year in the playoffs. And I remember that game, I checked in, and we probably was down like 30. They had 30 pieces, right? So checked in, um, and I remember looking over there. <laughs> so Michael was icing his knees and Scotty and Dennis. So the game was already over. And, we, and we're talking about the start of the fourth quarter. Like, it, it wasn't like, okay, in the fourth quarter, it went up. No, no, no. Starting the fourth quarter, we were down 30 points. And them dudes were sitting there icing their knees, just icing their knees. And I'm like, man, I look over and I'm like, I'm not going to get a chance to guard Michael Jordan. But as the season progressed, we played him again, and I finally got a chance. Uh, I think I want to say I guarded him the year I got traded, which was my second season at Golden State. And they were coming from L.A. And so, of course, you know, the the crowd was was definitely cheering for Chicago. But um, – I ended up guarding him, guarding him, actually guarding him well. And I want to say, go back and if my memory serves me correctly, I'll score with Michael Jordan in that game. I have to go back and check just to make sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think I might have had 19 and Mike might have had 17. Some like, it was something like that. You know, if, 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 it's, he, if, I, if he outscored me, he didn't outscore me by a lot. So I don't, I don't know if he stayed out all night in L.A. and he was taking us lightly. But you know what? It was my time. My time to shine. Did you talk to him in the documentary? You know, you talked to him or say anything to set him off. Did you Did you just lay low and just, you know, keep it moving? Or how'd you approach it? Hey, hey, beep, 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 man. What, what do you think, man? When I know a dude like – when I know a dude like Mike got, have, has a green light, it would be like going back to high school, Brownsville High School, Haywood High School, and you know I got the green light. Dude, you, you, can't, you can't come to me talking about anything crazy. Like, dude, listen. I'm a, I can shoot every time down the court from anywhere I want to. So you don't want to get that dude going. Mm-hmm. So you better just, you better come out, play hard in those defense, keep your mouth quiet because when somebody got the green light, man, listen, they can embarrass you. So I was not going, going to get embarrassed. Exactly. What about Kobe and Iverson or any of those guys? I mean, you, you play with all these dudes, man. So I play against all these dudes, man. I got a yeah. chance to – like I said, Kobe was the one dude that got me on the reverse dunk, man, and – I didn't think it was going to happen, so he spent off me, and he jumped off it. I want to say his right leg, and I was thinking, okay, man, you know, he, I'm, I'm going to still try to challenge his shot, and he ended, up giving me, he ended up giving me with a nice dunk, man. So I, I'll never forget 
I'll never forget that because one of the few people, if anyone, that dunked him in the NBA. So he's the only one I can say that got me on a on a on a on a dunk that I didn't know that was coming. But because if I'd have known, of course, I'd have went foul hard, or I probably would have been a lot more aggressive. But I didn't think he was gonna. He kind of snuck me on that one. And uh, Iverson was tough because. So many, uh, so many screens were being set for him, man. And one, like I said, another guy that had the green light. He could shoot whenever he wanted to. So those are, and always have been the toughest guys to guard because they remind me of myself when I was an elite scorer in high school. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was the offense. I mean, it was. You know, yeah, that team. Sick. That team was built around him. Yeah, that yeah. team was built around Iverson. McKee and Snow could score, but it was it was all funneled through. It was air. Iverson, man. It, it was just, it was a one man show. It was Absolutely. a one man show. Absolutely. And we talked about you growing up in Tennessee and you do you're a Vols football fan and you know, I you know that. Uh, and of course, you know, with them beating Kentucky like twenty seven years in a row, I can't stand them still to this day. <laughs> but did you did you have time or did you go to football games at Commonwealth Stadium if you were in season in Lexington or did y'all have time to hit them? Not to be honest with you, V, not so much, man, because I'm going to tell you, I do not like cold weather. So football season is a cold season. It's a season where I watch games on TV. But for me to go outside or to go to go sit in anybody's stands or any, anyone's stadium or to leave, nope, that's not me. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't – I'm not a cold weather guy. So football season is not the season. That's one of the reasons why I don't think I ever played football. I mean, I like being I, – I like, I like the warm environment. I don't, like to, I don't like to be anywhere where I know I'm like, man, it's going to be cold. I have to bum up. No. Mm -mm. So, not a lot of games. Uh, maybe I might count the games on one hand. Now, if it was in a suite, that's totally different. But right. if I had to go out there and, and cheer like most of the Kentucky fans, uh, no, you won't see Tony Delp. So, you're the, you're the fan, or had you played – You'd have played in August and September, and then October, you'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm gone, y'all. It's, it's this oh, man, yeah. weather I, changing. Listen, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to indoor sports. <laughs> That's where I would have went to. I'm like, man, outdoor sports? Oh, heck no. That was definitely something that I didn't want, I didn't want to participate in. I didn't want no parts of that. I wanted to be inside where at least the heat is going, or I don't have to worry about any snow, any cold, a cold wind, my hands being cold. None of that stuff. That wouldn't apply to Tony Gell. That's why you love playing in Phoenix and hated playing in Boston, like you talked about. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I got a – you know, we talked about number one fan last week. You know, talked about Maureen and how she was driving and listening to the show. Uh, she popped in with a question, and you kind of touched on it at the beginning. Um You know, she just talked about how you have been such a great role model for BBN. What advice uh, would you give young athletes today with all the craziness going on in the world about, you know, how to stay true to themselves and, and be good role models in the community for the younger ones watching them? For the, the young players now about to go to college, what advice would you give them as they have younger ones watching them already, you know, and being role models and things of that nature? I, I, would, tell, I would tell them, you know, work ethic, work hard. Um, don't talk about what you do. Just did, get it done. It's, it's, for me, it's about action, man. You know, you hear a lot of people do a lot of talking about, okay, if they had this, I say, you know, work, work hard and hard work and understand what they mean. And then you start applying them to your everyday life, you know. And then also you got to have some vacation time when you take off and then 
enjoy your time. And, uh, you know, in that time, I like to read. I watch I watch movies. I watch games. Uh, be a student of whatever you want to achieve in life. Take time and spend time doing that and make sure that, you know, as, as you navigate through life, uh, learn from your mistakes. Make, make mistakes. Learn from them. Uh, no one is perfect. You know, challenge yourself. You know, probably I would tell them also hang around people that's going to enhance and make you better than who you are. You know what I'm saying? So as they say, knife sharper knife, don't be the smartest person in your group. Hang out with people that's going to challenge you, that hold you accountable, and not just have a bunch of yes people around you. So that's, that was the one thing I could say growing up with my friends, and I'm still friends with those guys. Today, we always held each other accountable. We knew exactly you know, what it was going to take to be successful, and we challenged each other. So challenge, have people that's going to challenge you and make you the best person you can be. And it's, it's harder when you're young, but you have a, a, a friend or somebody in the neighborhood that's older than you, get that wisdom from them. And if you're close with somebody that's older, you know, everybody will be friends with people the same age. But if you, you know somebody that's older than you, got more experience, you can learn a lot from, from those older ones too. Yeah, you know, and I think that's where uh, I had a chance to grow up a lot quicker, you know, having older siblings and definitely yeah. older brothers to hang out with and kind of teach me the game of basketball. Uh, they allowed me, you know, to 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 be me, but also to advance some of the things that most kids didn't know about the game of basketball. So that's something that I always you know, go back and, and say to my brothers, you know, keep – I'm glad y'all taught me so much about basketball that it made me a – an unbelievable person, but someone who understood the game at a high level. You said a couple episodes ago that you, you know, you're still challenging yourself, always continue to learn. You said you've learned about the game even in your 40s, and this is after playing 12 years and playing at a high level. What are some of the things you learned about the game in your 40s? Just to, um, you know, be patient. I think when kids come into the gym, I think I teach them how to be patient. I have to be patient with them mm-hmm. and tell them that it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Like, if you come in, you can't shoot in left-hand layups. We're going to continue to keep working on that, you know. And you got to go home and do some practicing yourself. But also um, think about what it takes in order to be good at something. you got to watch it. you got to study it. And then you got to practice it more than just once a week, twice a week. I said, I spend – so many days working on my weaknesses that, you know, my weaknesses became a strength. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I tell them. So don't get discouraged when you first walk in, you see someone else doing something you can't do, is that we're going to get there. It took them time to learn it. So be patient and, you know, just keep working hard. But listen, listen, come in a little earlier, stay later, spend time, you know, work on your craft. Don't let someone tell you you can't do something when you have the opportunity in front of you, you have a gym, you have a basketball you have, you have things in front of you that's going to make you better, but you get discouraged because someone else is ahead of you. Well, my goal is, hey, you know what? I'm going to be worthy at it in, in, in a few weeks or a couple of months or a year, and I'm going to be better than them. So the challenge is in front of you. Can you be better than the challenge? That makes sense. Maureen was also really excited because when you said that you were – your dad was a Braves fan. She's a huge Braves fan as well. So she was, she was loving hearing that when she listened to it. Uh, oh, as far as NFL, who is your NFL team? You're a Bulls fan, Jordan guy growing up, Tennessee football. 
who would you like and you know watching when you watch the NFL as a kid? I was I was more of a Deion Deion Sanders fan, except when he went to Dallas Cowboys. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. Let's, get, oh. let's let that be told. Nope, not a Come Cowboys on. fan, oh. and they're not America's team either. Let's stop there too. The American <laughs> yeah. team, American team owner hadn't spoke up, so I don't know how much American team they are, and what made them America's team. I do not know. Oh, now, if the Patriots want to be America's team, they they got the right to be. Because they 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 they've currently been doing America's work. They've been winning championships. But the only thing I've been hearing about the Cowboys is Zeke Elliott. Uh, what about Dak Prescott? He hadn't signed. He signed. He signed his ten-year franchise tag. Uh, Tony Romo. I'm I'm not a fan. I love to see them lose. So it, it seems like you yeah. seems like you might be a Cowboy fan over there. Uh, I I definitely am. You know. Yeah, we, I can see with that blue shirt on. What is, I this, love to see them lose. It's a, a Kentucky shirt, though, honestly. But I, I got some yeah, Cowboys. But you know, hey, 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 but, but the same, same blue, man, same blue. But you know, my, my Kentucky blue, you know, overshadows that uh that 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 America's team blue. I'm not America's team fan. So all, so all you all you Cowboys listeners, you hear it now. I love to see the Cowboys lose. If I'm a, if I'm a fan of any team, it, it will be Tennessee Titans. Hmm. Okay. My home state. I had to represent my home state, oh. man. So. So back, back, and I ask all the Tennessee fans this: Before they came to Tennessee, who'd you like? Well, I mean, back back when they was the Oilers, who did you like? No, 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 no. I wasn't an Oilers fan. I, I think I had. It's funny too. One of my brothers was a Redskins. Watch the Redskins fan, which I'm, I'm waiting for him to change that name. Yeah. So you watching something else. Uh, another brother was a Cowboy fan, and That's a good brother right there. That's the I, yeah, okay, right, whatever. And I, I think I, I – like oh, I'll tell you, my team, my team oh, here's my team going. I forgot. I'm tripping right now. Man, I was a Niners fan. Yeah, man. Oh, oh I, I go back to Joe, Joe Montana, oh. uh, Roger Craig, oh. Jerry Rice, John Taylor. Uh, who else? Oh. Who else can I think of on that team, man? They, they was loaded. Ronnie Lott, come on, man. You know, Charles Haley. I mean, yes, yes. Charles, Charles Haley left and them and went to the Cowboys and won rings. Yeah, he got, he got a few. He got, he got a couple more rings. That's okay, man. That's Deion right. Sanders, Deion Sanders left the 49ers and went to the he Cowboys. Did jump ship, man. I don't, I don't, I don't. You know what? That was the only time I didn't like prime time. <sighs> you know, prime we, just gotta, time. we just gotta agree to disagree. And if if there is a season, uh, I think week fifteen, if we even if they get off the ground, Cowboys and Niners play. So that I think they yeah. come to Dallas. So you know, it had to be something that we uh, butt heads with on this podcast. Absolutely, I can't agree on everything. I don't guess you know you nah. Niners and you know the Titans and you know that's it's all right. You know, Derrick Henry's a Derrick Henry's a bad boy. It's a big oh yes, that he is. Fun trying to tackle him. That dude is huge, but um. You know, I, I was happy for the Chiefs. Glad to see them win one. And, you know, they beat the Niners, too, so that was good. But uh, <laughs> glad Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes got one because Mahomes is yeah, – he's changing the game, man. Him and Russell Wilson and all these young quarterbacks coming up. You got to give them props. Yeah, yeah. Him and, and you also got to throw in you know, our, our young guy, Lamar Jackson, who had yeah. uh, a, a, an exceptional, fabulous, awesome, you know, just a season that, you know, we saw a – a different kind of quarterback. You know, he wasn't your traditional pocket passer, but he was a, a two-way quarterback. And he just brought more excitement to the game instead of just seeing somebody sit back in the pocket and, you know, just try to dissect you. You know, he was like, I'm going to dissect you, dissect you both ways with my feet and with my arm. So I was happy to see how 
how he performed this year. And just like I said, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, man, I mean, dude, that dude is, you know, he's great, man. He, he's going to hopefully, he's probably going to win a couple more championships here. In the, um, not championship, a couple more Super Bowls here in the next couple of years if uh, they stay intact and they're able to keep their team intact, and, you know, and not spend so much money on him. Yeah, yeah. See, y'all know y'all can come to TD for all things basketball, especially UK basketball and NBA, but now look at him dropping NFL knowledge. See, NFL season start, you still covered on the Believing Kentucky podcast. Yes, sir. What about Cam Newton going to New England? You, I mean, you just talked about the Patriots and the America's team and all that anyway, but you, what do you think about Cam <laughs> going to hooking up with Belichick and all that? Well, I, I think, first of all, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of offers on his plate anyway. I think we was, everyone was kind of wanting to see how his health was. But, um, you know, when you get a player with experience like Cam Newton, and it's going to take him some time because, you know, he wasn't – he hasn't been there since, the, you know, for the OTAs, but also just his knowledge of the game. And you're getting someone who is a high-level competitor. Mm -hmm. So that job, it might not be available for him in the beginning, but I think he'll, in, in time, He'll definitely get that job at some point in time. So I think with Cam going there, uh, learning offense, learning the, the Belichick way, have, he'll have a good season and then he'll be back on the free agent market. Yeah, I, and he definitely has had health problems in those last couple of years in Carolina. He was banged up. But he was he was the MVP in 2015. A lot of people just seem to just forget that. And, it's, you know, he was one of the last dudes to get signed. There was all these guys getting signed and Cam just still out there. And people like – I'm like – so I'm, I hate the Patriots, but I'm glad he got signed. And, and Belichick just sitting there like a just the evil, you know, Grinch. Evil like, genius. Cooking <laughs> it up. You know they go they go have yeah. a little something when, when – he, he got a plan. He got a plan. So we're yeah. – we, like I said, we'll, we'll see how they – like I said, when the season starts, we'll see what happens when it starts. That's it. Looking forward to it. Man, we had a bunch of fun. Glad. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.